August 23rd, 2009, it's the Watt from Pedro Show.
Overlooking Cabrillo Beach, and because Brother Matt is in the Amazon, and anyway, I always want to do a radio show here. Besides, no, it's just going to keep going open, Crane. <laughs> uh, with me, of course, is the master of this pad, Dirk Vandenberg, old buddy, and a man who's known him even longer, Mr. Crane. Now, welcome aboard, gentlemen. Thank you. You can speak. Hello there. Yeah. <laughs> can I can I start this thing off by doing something that I need to do right now? Yeah. All right. They're hugging. <laughs> we've been fighting all fucking weeks. So I'm sorry. Can I say that? Yeah, we've been. <laughs> we've had a big email. You're not allowed to war. say fight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you can say that. No, where uh, where was a gig a week ago at Harold's place? Yeah. And we had the urinals, and I got to play with my missing man. No. Missing second man. My missing second man. It was weird. <laughs> You're in so many groups together. No, no, this was a combination <laughs> because uh, Tom Watson had a gentleman to service. Or that was a great show. He was unavailable. Dirk put it and out. Then, uh, and then uh, Jerry Trebitich, the fr- Tom from Missing Man. And then uh, Jerry Trebitich told us he couldn't make it either. I had something very important. And then, you know, the silly goose doesn't realize that me and Pete Mazich are on his uh, flow list. 
So we get this invite on the email. As goes to some bourgeois pool party in Beverly Hills. Good for him. <laughs> and, and miss a chance to play at Harold's place with the urinals. Uh, you know, to each his own. But that was a very fun show. It was yeah, it really, was. Really and in fact, Dirk put on the gig. He asked us to do it, and we opened up a surfing with the Shaw. In fact, I. Uh, Play the act, I act, taught. Act. I taught. Yeah, and I taught it to the uh, Pete that uh, the day before, and then Raul learned uh, Genius or Lunatic just for that gig. But actually, they they had played together five years ago because, in fact, the first time I played with Raul because Jerry was unavailable again for touring. I had just done the second opera, and uh, he couldn't tour, so. Vinny Vegas told me about this young guy playing drums in Pedro, and it was Raul Morales. And so he played with Pete for a number of gigs with uh, Second Opera. He was great. But this this was kind of a reunion of sorts because it had been five years since they played with in that uh, configuration. Yeah, well. <laughs> well. Plus playing with the urinals again, that's, that's a big Urinals thing. was great. I mean, they're missing Kel, but two out of three ain't bad. And, uh, Wasn't John's opening comment something about um, we don't know what to play now because you already played all the stuff that we were going to play? Well, they didn't play really. <laughs> they started with Strip Club, but they didn't play any older songs. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe something at the end like Black Hole or something. They have a brand new record they just finished. Okay, so that's what they were doing. And, and also, I think, to try to reflect Rob, the guitarist, you know, because much different... Sound, style, everything than uh, Kel Johansson. Yeah. You know? Uh, I remember... Um, I know How long have they been urinals now? A year? Two years? Together the same... No, the name. They just got back, yeah, maybe almost a year or something. Yeah, they hadn't been using the name. They, they were, were using Chairs of, chairs of Perception. perception yeah. Because I think with Rob, they just felt they were a different band. Hmm. And uh, they kind of are. Kind of are, but I think they're great. In, they a, in like a way, uh, they're not because of Kevin and John. Even though Rob, I think, frames them in a different light, there's still something between the other two. Well, how how long did they go back? I'm pretty long way. That band started in '77, I think. '78. Oh, yeah. At UCLA, That's they told me in a dorm that nobody knew how to play anything. They were film students, and. Uh, they started off as a joke, right? I think uh, to play some party or something, and uh, like they drew straws or something, like who's going to play what? I mean, you know what I mean? Nobody had it at the beginning. No one was do- jamming this as a kid in the home. Wow. Yeah, they just totally started out, and this was very inspiring for the Minutemen, the idea you could just make a band because you wanted it. That's like us, uh, too, when we started. We, we yeah, well, I was going to ask play. you about this. I, I when did you guys start playing with each other? Probably about 1974. Five? No, it was seventy-three. Uh, You're in high school. Yeah, yeah high school. Um, Where? Which high school you guys were at? Rolling Hills High School. Rolling Hills. <laughs> yeah. well, no, that was Where we eat steak every day. <laughs> no, no t- but I knew there I'm was two schools up there. So that doesn't There's work three. For me. There was PV, Merrill East, and Rolling Hills. But Merrill West wasn't a high school, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a junior high. Yeah. Now there's only one, and that's what used to be that high school. Now it's called. Oh yeah, Merrill West was a high school. Merrill West is actually the one closest to us. Right, but it was shut down for a while, right? Not enough kids. So yeah, it was PB High School too. That, yeah, that all okay. happened years after. But you guys are rolling hills. Yeah. That's... Okay. But the thing I was going to say is that we 
neither one of us really. He played trumpet, and I didn't play anything. And we knew John, who. I thought you played flute. Well, I played flute, but you're not going to do that in a rock band. But uh, but you did it in school, right? We're like, okay, no, you want to play the bass? I'll play the drums. What about Ian Anderson? He just did it on the side. <laughs> what about Ian Anderson? He did flute in a rock well, band. Well, Ian Anderson yeah, taught him how to play flute. <laughs> <laughs> no, but let's let's go back before that. Yeah. You guys playing music on your own. Okay, before 1973, before high school. Well, yeah, and, and it so, was, so how'd you get, Dirk, how'd you get into music? From school? Just meeting him and talking. No, no, in school, the flute thing. Well, you didn't do it in school. Uh, yeah, I guess it was sort of like a Jethro Tull connection, but... You had a class, right? The school really, band or something? No, I didn't really didn't. feel like I was playing music until I started playing with him and John. And You didn't have a music? I, I did. I was marching band, jazz yeah. band, all that, but... But he he just played you know flute at like, the home yeah at home just for all right all right but but the the thing is it's just very much in the same way of, of just like hey you know he, you know he John he knew John who could play guitar and he's just like we should start a band and you know was the flute gonna, was the flute hold on hold on Craig <laughs> was the flute the first thing you played. Uh, no, I played guitar in third grade for about a year and a half. But okay, then, and then that, put that down, and then the next thing you played was flute. In high school, Okay, yeah. okay. And totally on the side, though. But the funny thing is, is like... Who, did you have a teacher? Bass. He didn't play bass, and I didn't play drums before that other Yeah, yeah, yeah. But didn't you have well, like, We're going to get to that, we're going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> but uh, did you... Uh, Try to figure I'm it out. Yeah, the flute thing. I mean, what, what made you think about flute? It was easy to pack around. All right, makes sense. <laughs> That's a trip. Yeah. And now you started on trumpet. Was that right. the first musical instrument? When did when yeah. did you start, that, Craig? That, when I was eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Was and, it a school thing? It was a school thing, okay. and and uh, you know my my dad, big time jazz guy, you know, influenced me with with going to the, see those shows. You know, I saw a lot of those those greats back then. You know, look at the picture of Duke Ellington at the uh, Carnation Garden at, uh, at Disneyland. And uh, you know, saw all the, uh, well, the Buddy, thing, Buddy know, Rich at, at Marineland was was rocking with the dolphins jumping. Yeah, that one, one's a piano player, one's a drummer. You know, it was well, really trumpet saying, guys. No, I'm just saying, but 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 the whole big band jazz. Yeah, thing, yeah, that, swing band. Yeah, that that got me into. Wanting to play I don't know trumpet. how it happened, but his folks always invited me to go to El Camino College and see these great shows. We saw Olivia Gerald. Yeah. We saw. Dizzy Gillespie, yes. we saw everybody. Stan, Stan for, for some reason, they always had one extra ticket, and I got to go with yeah. them. It was really so. Fun. Your 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 pop was influential <coughs> oh, yeah, because that, of the swing. Yeah, and then being and a fan of swing music. Right, right. Talk about loud. Yeah, loud. That stuff's really loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's all from the lung. Yeah, it's great music. But but the, yeah. you know, getting back to how we we started was just yeah. I think so. Dirk you're playing some, trumpet in the school. Yeah, you're enrolling highs. You guys are in the same grade. Right. Well, before music, we met. In, we met in English class. Yeah, you, you meet yeah. each other just being friends, and then somebody says, "Let's make a band." Well, that that was, I guess, Dirk's idea was like, "Hey, you know, I got this friend John. You got to meet him. He plays great guitar." Guitar. But what, like, what's the idea of the drum? Because you end up being the drummer in the band. So how did you stumble on the drums? Do you start the drums right when you start this band with these guys? Yes. Okay. But didn't you have a drum set in the I, garage? I borrowed a drum set from my uh, neighbor across the street. This, okay, that this, was this, cool. this girl that had a drum set. And she like, if we're going to make a band, somebody's got to be the drummer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he knew a connection for drums. <laughs> right, right. Well, man, pretty expensive, right? Probably right. of all the instruments. 
Not for me. It was free for a while. That's why I'm saying, though. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> just saying. To get a drum set in those days, you could get Econo guitars. I'm not talking Fenders or Gibsons, but you could get... I right. remember me and D. Boone got $10, $15 pawn shop. Yeah, Melody Plus, yeah. piece of crap. But drum sets weren't like this because there was more things involved. Well, cymbals are 500 bucks. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. Now, so. Even cheap-ass yeah. stuff, you're going to be paying more money for the drum set. So that... That, that was a good connect, you having the, the neighbor. Right. <laughs> now, he what he, he says to you, we need a bass player. Yeah, basically. Or was it your idea? <laughs> no no you know, pun intended. My recollection is that I remember that John Rocknowski came to my house one day and he brought over a Fender Princeton amp and a guitar and the smell of that thing, I've never smelled anything like that in my life. You know what an amp smells yeah, like? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just totally... Especially a burned up one. Sort of like changed, changed me. No, but Rognowski, John Rognowski is the cat who's actually playing. But he's a right-handed guy who plays left-handed guitar because yeah. he but, didn't really understand Yeah, yeah, but he, he's he's already playing. Little when did bit, he yeah. start? He's not here to speak for yeah. himself, but he's a great cat. Yeah, he's, should he, invite let's him. call him up. <laughs> but but he he's he's already yeah, playing. Yeah, he had some lessons and stuff, and, and so he's probably playing off records. Well, no, I mean, he's playing, right, he's, he's playing, playing in his, his bedroom off records. And his brother played bass, and his other but brother played uh, drums. Yeah, drums. So they're already jamming a little bit. So you're taking this guy who's been around, not taking to make him away a band. from anything, but just he no. Was you're going to join up with him. He was the only guy that I knew that knew how to play like rock music. Yeah, yeah, a big influence of. Uh, Jimi Hendrix. So, <laughs> whose who's pad is it? Your garage? We're Your? in my garage like almost every day after school, and the neighbors never complained. And you, we'd yeah. go in there and play for two chords for like five hours, and no one ever Did you live by the school? <laughs> uh, about six, eight blocks away. Close. Yeah. Wow. It was a big hill climb. I never, I, n- I never lived close to my schools. <laughs> I always had hell walks. <laughs> well, that was, that was like a total march to get up that hill. It was but then I would always think about you when I was wa- passing the pads while I was walking to and from school. I was thinking, I would never want to live this close because all these dudes are always going past your pad. <laughs> well, lucky you so, lived down there. You know what I mean? Down. I remember That's seeing like, fun. man, these dudes must get sick. Yeah. Dudes always coming by. Well, one, one of the things that I, uh, my fondest memory of, of, of the early days of just playing was that yeah, we played a little bit of the blues, you know, just to kind of learn, you know, the structure. Do you structure. remember the first prac? Well, well, yeah, I first remember. First jam? Vaguely, I remember What were you that. wearing? <laughs> Nothing like that. He was but, naked. <laughs> were well, you allowed? I, no, I was, I was naked musically because, <laughs> you know, this was a whole new thing for me. I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved, loved rock and roll Where'd music. you get your bass? Well, that... that uh, you had to that bring a bass to Prague, right? Was that across the street at the girls' house? Yeah, the Gibson BB three. Yeah. Where did you get it though? Hollow body. Like Dirk um, says to you, "Hey, let's make a band." Yeah. So you thinking, "Whoa, I got a trumpet." Yeah, well, I got to get a bass. Know, so where'd you get this bass? I think. I, where did I get it? Do you remember? Maybe for me, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, you had a bass. I think I maybe had it or sold him or something like that. No, I mean, the real yeah, I mean, first real bass he ever had was an EB uh, EBO, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I really don't know where he got. But, but yeah, because yeah, so, you had to show up at the practice. Was up now. Rognowski had the amp. He had the guitar. You got the drums across the street. Yeah, my my. That he probably bass. stole the shit he used. Okay. <laughs> no, the, the, the what bass. about the amp? What was the amp? Well, no, it, it's I just you know I got it from the store. I, I'm What's sure. Magic I mean, words. But, yeah, but you got I mean, the store. It, but I mean the the, the the sound the sound I had was it sounded more like a tuba with the combination of the bad amp and the <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the distortion. Do you remember out the amp? 
Uh, oh yeah, it was a Vox. Vox. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think I got it through Marshall Marshall Music. Marshall Music. Yeah. On Torrance. But yeah. he used to play through a Super Beetle for a while. Yeah. yeah. That's Vox. Yeah, yeah the Vox. And, and, and that, for Marshall Music. Okay, so yeah. you got this stuff. Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the first get, the first well, track, the, the first see, the jam. That's what I'm trying to get at is 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 like the the technical thing that you know is kind of vague to me now. Is, is much, but the main thing that I you know remember is the essence of having a place to make noise as well as music. Yeah. And, and so we were doing all kinds of learning just to just to try to play harmonically sometimes. You weren't copying songs. I know, that's the whole thing. We weren't working yeah, on songs. Great. We were just jamming. And, and that's that's why I love jam so much and, and, and eventually mm-hmm. jamming with you guys is that whole feeling of just like we got this spot where we're no the neighbors aren't complaining and it's just like, you know, yeah, we'll we'll eventually learn song stuff, but let's just like play and see what happens. And so all this this weird stuff would come out and we you know make tapes and we did like you know kind of like rock opera stuff and and yeah we're you know like i say obviously we learned how to play the the basic one for five blues thing but but for a long time we didn't play songs that we just was, well, jams. That, wasn't, that wasn't the basis of what we did well either. no that's what i mean we weren't into rock and roll blues did you have a name like for this jazz. band we were into a fusion jazz wasted space wasted space now yeah. did, did, right away did you come up with a name uh, pretty soon, I think. Yeah, yeah. At that and first Jack, Jack always well, came the, up with the name. The, the thing was, also, we were in a school of like rich kids and technocrats, and whenever there was a party that you know at somebody's house, these guys would play like uh, tales from topographic ocean. They'd learn they, albums. They yeah. would play everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like that, and, copy, or, or ELP, copy. or you know, Emerson Lake and Palmer, that kind of stuff. And we actually did like rock operas back then, and we'd show up at these parties, and people would be like, "What? What is this?" Because you wouldn't be copying, you'd be making and it. And also another friend of ours we should mention is Charlie Hancock, who played keyboards with us. He was a really great... He was, was he in the beginning? Yeah. Pretty early well, on. Well, yeah, that yeah, first not, not, No, no. It was he, just you three, right? But he did those A year later, yeah. I mean, we had one called Big Brain, where I had this big pillowcase. I made this costume. Yeah, where, where it's like, you know, this big head, you know, it's like the Genesis thing, I guess. <laughs> just, you know, just playing all this weird noise, jam stuff, and I came yeah. up from behind the piano and it's just like but it was also highly, highly orchestrated it, yeah. was, it was really thought out because you're doing it every day after school you spend a lot of right. time on this and it was all original stuff we didn't play anything and you tape else. make tapes right yeah, yeah. because I, well look yeah, we learned a lot from that all my early stuff we didn't make any tapes oh well, he's got six Everybody's got tapes. their own story I mean when I first started I didn't know what a bass was I played a guitar with four strings I didn't know a bass had bigger strings as Whoa. Arena Rock, I was it close enough? I didn't know. Right. Well, it's like us. We used to go up behind his house. There's a yeah. fire trail behind his house up in the hills over there. In the woods. And we had this tenor guitar, and we were like, this is our bass. And it was a tenor four-string right. harmony. And we just played bass lines on that thing, and, you know, that was our bass guitar for a long, long time, too. With, you know, At the beginning? Yeah. So right. you didn't have the Gibson on the tuned first it, We tuned it like a, guitar, like a bass guitar, but it was a yeah. tenor guitar. Because it had four strings. Yeah, yeah. What's the difference? Yeah, that's a, that's a. I still got that. Smaller that's strings. Yeah. So that's what you played at the first gig. Well, yeah. But, I mean, well, did that have a pickup? Was it acoustic? Acoustic. Yeah. Then yeah. you didn't play it with the drums. And no, the, no. <laughs> it was for songwriting. Right. For for just jamming, you know. Yeah. Jam writing. Yeah. Composition. But yeah, that that, that whole essence of the jam thing okay. really was what did it you, was did really all about. The first uh, public gigs that you did was these keggers. Backyard things. They would, I don't even call them a kegger. You know, it was just like a house party. You know, house party. Those when, are your first gigs. When somebody's 
parents would leave and you'd yeah, go over right. there and make a mess. Right. You know, that's that kind of thing. The, your first public outings. But we sort of, I think we sort of became notorious for what we did as opposed to what everybody else was doing at that time. Right. You know. Because, yeah, yeah, either they're doing the progressive so people, thing or the, or the basic rock. rock people are roll. talking at school. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and Charlie joins on keyboard. He's yeah. another school guy? Yes. A little yeah, younger he, than us, but very talented man. Right, yeah, he, yeah. he was like a prodigy so kid, kid on the keyboard. You're doing this through all high school. High school ends, but Wasted Space keeps going? Oh, a little yeah. bit. Well, yeah, then we changed the name. Then we're tragic comedy and we're playing with you guys. No, no. I know I know something. <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> because uh, you taught me a, a history that, that you left out called K-Cole. Right. That was right. the first version of the same Okay, band. okay. So, yeah, that's right. after Wasted Space. Right. right. Did Wasted right. Space ever play a club? No. Uh, All you did was house party. Actually, right. there's another band called Neutral Youth a long time ago too that we. That's actually, after wasted that was, space. That was our first club gig. Was that band Neutral Youth? Yeah, yeah it that, was like a two nights. And, and who is that? That's you guys. Yeah, yeah. And have you moved on beyond that, rock opera into Pat's songs? Place. Pat's place. It was like it was a bar, so we had to play cover songs and stuff. You like doing that. cover songs for a little okay. while, yeah. But yeah, then, but then we but mixing our own stuff. We too. went into the K Cole thing because the punk thing started. Well, what about Neutral Youth? That's before K-Cole, right? Yeah, but, but yeah, it was very short-lived. But but we started getting into, you know, doing the whole What club was thing. it? Uh, I don't remember. We did, we did Sweetwater. We did the Pat's Place. These Pat's are Place, Re- right. Redondo Beach. Yeah, yeah. You know, Sweetwater was right near the... Uh, and it was so funny, too, because... What was because it called? The... Fleetwood. Fleetwood, that's where they did the... Sweetwater was right near it. Well, the Fleetwood did the uh, decline of Western civilization over there. There was a filming there, part of it. But, but it was so funny, because when we got the Sweetwater game... Boone are in the Circle Jerk Pit, I think. <laughs> but it was so funny, when we, we, we got, finally got our, oh, big, our big gigs at the Sweetwater, we were like, oh, all right, this is our big break to get, you know, get out there and all this stuff. And, and, and the night that we played, there was a big storm that sank the, the Princess Louise that's restaurant. Right. So no one came. It was all blocked off. We're like going cave <laughs> character builder. <laughs> we That's your first gig. Our big gig. Our first big gig. We also had that lady singer. And you're called. You're, yeah, yeah. I was going to get to that. Yeah. That's neutral youth. Then you go on to be the K Coles. The K Coles. And you have her. a lady singer. Yeah. Right. Right. And now we were discovered by Joe Purcell. Yeah, I was. Gonna, I was going <laughs> to say because all of a sudden there's there's a, like a manager involved. Yeah. yeah. So how do you move from this jamming in the garage? Doing rock operas, conceptual pieces, yeah, jazz, into covering songs yeah. as neutral youth. Obviously, you had honed together some concept of being able to copy well, all that jamming in the paid off, right? Well, right? And, and the K Cole's were and all, then, all and original then make, songs too. So K Cole's original songs, but with this lady singer, right? And then this guy Joe Purcell, yeah. who was married to Sarah Purcell from this Real People show and stuff. It's like, yeah, this right. is our big break. He's t- he took us to Hollywood to the studio. Right. How did he find you? That's right. I well because of her. Right. Well, I think she, he was I, sort of maybe mixed. Well, up I think I think <laughs> I think they were connected. With, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think. And at first it was her and her sister, and then we're like, we don't like her at all, but we can almost stand this one, so let's try that. It was two singers, and then we went in the studio, 
uh, eventually without either one of them. It was that first time in the studio? In a real studio in Hollywood, yeah, for free. They, he paid for everything. Yeah, it was it was re- very fun to go there. It was because uh, before you just was, making tapes in the practice. Yeah, right. it was it was the right. Sunset and Gower studio, and I remember I got stuck in the elevator that takes you through the down the sidewalk. Yeah, and I'm hear everybody talking, and I'm like, hey. Get me out of this place! I was like locked in this cage. I couldn't get out of there. <laughs> but that was very fun. The oh, we also call. we also recorded the uh, uh, what's it called the world? Yeah, there's that little globe world. Uh, what's that, what's that place? Crossroads thing. of yeah, Crossroads. That's, we went in there too. Yeah. Oh, we actually won a contest <laughs> to record there. What was that? It was some sort I of don't know. no? There was some sort of thing where you got uh, free studio time, and and, and we did. A couple of our, our pop songs there with, with that, you know. Grant, Hold on Grant. a second, I got to take a dump. That's what? the way we started. That's, that's the way uh, yeah, that's started that whole too, punk, right? punk I think, thing. I think there's a lot of it, and that's why I find it interesting. There's like there's a pure innocence to that to whole do, thing. Yeah, to doing stuff like this, talking about this. It's it's not about so much, you know. Oh, it's important because this person's a celebrity. No, it's the idea of coming together, and there are enough people here, enough different ways, they sure. won't think theirs is too weird, and they shouldn't do it. Ah, yeah. oh, this ain't the correct way. It's not scary. Uh, right. No, that's so, just... so how did you meet this woman singer? Well, no, we, we had a friend, well, Marshall Music, uh, who, through Kevin, and, and, and having parties at his Marshall house. Marshall Music was a music and, store in Torrance. Right. Yeah, and his dad, or his stepdad, is Tiny Rips, who was a jazz player in, on a lot of 78s and stuff in the yeah. days. Yeah, he, he played, played with a lot of famous this people. This is Kevin, another friend of yours at yeah, school, right. so his stepfather. He, he, so he knew people in Hollywood and Sarah Purcell and all that, and so they... You know, they heard us, Joe Purcell, at one of the parties that we did. And th- this lady should be your singer. Well, yeah, it was. A, now this is after high school. It was his conception. To, to this to, is after high school. Yeah. yeah, he was divorced. He just had divorced Sarah Purcell, and was That's right before we met you guys. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm getting up to that. I'm getting up to that. But you had a lot of good luck with her. You recorded up in Hollywood. Uh, you win. A, you, you entered a music contest. Yeah, we, we we got some free studio time to do that. I, I don't know how that came about. This, <laughs> but but that that that. That got us started to acclimate into the the professional. So you studio. start writing songs. Yeah, and we're you know these yeah, are, you're, this you're, is you're big kind studio. of evolved from rock opera to like little little rock, like opera. you said, <laughs> pop songs. Right, and, and a lot of the a lot of the who songs, was the main the, songwriter? Or did no, just, you all three collaborate? Well, did, well, just quickly that we the main thing that we did the tapes for, yeah. is, and we'd, we'd study them and go, wow, that's a really cool riff that came out of nowhere. Let's let's maybe base a song around it so okay. we, we started building from those jam songs it yeah. wasn't just like you know I'm going to sit down and write a song in my room that was like and bring it, it to the band no no it was, it was extracted from these jams okay okay you're listening back to the tapes hey there's something there yeah and okay that, that, and that's that, evolved this into a song yeah uh, when the lady comes and joins the band you writing songs for her or is she part of the songwriting process? She pretty process? much takes over the singing duties with us singing background vocals. For yeah, her. but I mean, so the composition... She didn't write anything. No. She guys still. Yeah. And you're doing gigs with her we're as doing, the cake we few. We did a few with her because Joe told us to do that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, one, of the, one of the... Well, other than the Sweetwater was... Uh, we, we started going into... No, we did, she, we did uh, the, the Hong Kong... Uh, cafe. Cafe, yeah. Now, she leaves the band... She's uh, asked to leave the band. She's asked to that. And then what's this, the, Cause she, the cause end of the 70s? <laughs> Pardon me? 78, 79? Yeah, well, early 80s, maybe, something like that, yeah. yeah she she okay. was like, you know, became kind of a, 
a situation where, you know, the guys in the band wanted to, you know, be with her kind of thing, I guess. <laughs> that I was crazy. Uh, well, I, I didn't either. But so John did. Yeah, John, yeah. I don't think he did either. No, I, I don't know. There's, no, female, it was, there's female tension. <laughs> well, uh, more than there's that. powerful hatred? No, more than that, more than that, she, she wasn't that talented. She wasn't that good of a vocalist. And, you know, we're like going, you know... This is not the sound we want. This is not the sound we want. He he was enamored with her. Okay, let's put it that he way. The boot. I think he he liked her the most. <laughs> but not now, for her singing now, qualities. Now what happens? <laughs> she she's asked to leave, but then Charlie leaves. Uh, because you guys make this uh, you know transformation he, into tragic comedy. It was a little more hard edged, and I think that the, the reason he left is because he refused to practice with us. But he was also so talented; he really didn't need to, and it was. Maybe a mistake, but he's also a very, very dear friend of ours still, you know. Yeah, yeah and, and I think it was a, a sound change that we wanted. We wanted to become more, more aggressive with our sound and more, uh, more with an edge. And um, Charlie was keyboard, not yeah, kind of mellowed it, it was, out. Uh, well, yeah, and and and, and well, well, that, that was an important part of, of our learning. Amazing. <laughs> well, no, for it's instance, not a mellow keyboard. <laughs> no, well, for instance, <clears throat> Charlie was really into the the kind of. Uh, what is it? A bubblegum pop kind of thing, and and we, you know, we. In fact, you but wrote also, uh, you also, wrote a moped girls. Also, with him a and very talented keyboard player in, in jazz sense and everything. He's a very yeah, very talented. Yeah, guy. we did some really progressive jams with him, but but you know, for songwriting, he was a little bit too much into the. Uh, so he's asked to leave. Well, sort of. <laughs> Not in a mean I, way. I think it was a it was a mutual you know differences, and he he wanted to go in another direction. And, there, and, and then you change your name to Tragic Comedy. And that, that, this is important for uh, me and uh, my scene, the little Pedro scene, because this is how I know you guys. I don't know any of this information. I know a little more about Tragic Comedy. I don't know the exact beginnings. The, b- b- both those people are asked to leave the band. You turn to a trio, from a five-piece to a trio. And that's how we originally started. We were called the Power Three because it was just the three of us playing this. Power Three. I thought you were called Wasted Space. That well, no. Well, that, that was, was our that was our joke name. That was our little yeah. joke name because that's how we started. The three of us, and okay. with this more of an edge. So you go back hardcore, to your beginning, to hardcore track, sound. But you don't go back to uh, jams. You go to songs. You're still with well, songs. We're still jamming because. Did we, you do any K Cole songs in the new tragic comedy? Yeah, there. Yeah, we transformed so. them. And you and, did now, now. This is when you start practicing at the airport. Mm-hmm. Dirk's working at Benbo. Yeah, and, and I remember that prac pad room. And that was another because situ- you're out of the garage. And that was another situation where no one would call the police on us. Yeah, right, the, right. Now playing as loud uh, and, and, and in the middle and, and of the night. You moved to Pedro. Yes. Bef- before you became tragic comedy or after? Uh, I was 19 years old, so probably right around. That's, that's when I met you. Is I know, I know, I know. I've, I've been I don't here, know exactly the timeline. With I've been here maybe comedy. maybe a few months and then I met you right away. And <laughs> what? No, but uh, the band, him and the band, tragic comedy. I would say it's Pedro. Right around the same exact time. Around the same yeah. time. And, 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 you, and you two met you at what? What the star? The the, the no, first time I met you, you came to my house. We played chess and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But how'd you meet gigs. him? Gigs at the star, right? At, at gigs, it was like well, no, I don't know, but I remember the first. I think time it was a punk gigs when you yes. came to my house over Dance there. Water. I came over. You, you <laughs> said he lived in Pedro, and right. Manny and, and uh, her sister came Lise. there. Lise came there, and um, I'm gonna play chess with you. I remember that's that right, first you beat time. Beat my ass too, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's why I found out he had, he was part of this band. This is the first time I hear of tragic comedy. Okay. Uh, 
But all I ever heard from you was like, you're from the hill. <laughs> it was like, well, you steak-eating mother... Well, <laughs> well, there was a stereotype there. I, I mean, I, I think... Oh, Pedro guys, uh, yeah, we did, I didn't know anything about the hill. Well, but we were taught this thing that's... Yeah, where this, the, this wall. These you know? people live. And I found out from some hill people, they had ideas of Pedro, too. Sure, there is. And, and, but both were from ignorance. No one really right. knew each other's But places. we came down here all the time when I was a kid. We used to take the ferry across the harbor yeah. and everything. Go Where we didn't... I remember my pop once took me to the top where those uh, no-rad things are, mm-hmm. just to see the look, the view. But didn't know anybody from there. Didn't yeah. know. So my things was all these weird perceptions, Pedro folklore. That same thing went for Torrance people and Hermosa right. Beach people, and like anybody right. who wasn't Pedro. Pedro, Pedro was kind of a little provincial about people from well, other. Well, yeah, it's like an island in, in some sense, and that's and uh, you just stayed here, right? right. And, and so all, what you knew of other things. This was what was great thing about me going up to Hollywood and uh, to punk gigs and meeting people that weren't from Pedro. I didn't know anybody. Right. And, uh, the, the Starwood. Starwood that, later yeah, on. That, that was one of just, the but, most happening clubs. At the, at the um, yeah, more of the hardcore yeah. scene went to that. But before that, uh, Mask and meeting right, these people. Right. And they were from all kinds of different towns. We wound up at the Mask one time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the, the scene, very interesting people. And uh, that's how I you know, met Raymond and... All right. Stuff like yeah. that. The Star Theater was something that D. Boone put on, which is important and, to us. Yeah, because that's where I first see you guys play. <clears throat> D. Boone yeah, puts on a gig yeah, with the the, the, the whole uh, idea of the um, uh, Star Theater. He called it the Union. He rented out. There was this uh, little theater over there in the Ga- north part Gaffey. of the Pacific. No, it's well, Pacific, Pacific yeah, near right, Santa right. Cruz. It's been raised no longer there oh. so I think a parking lot now hmm. uh, the, the idea of having to go to Hollywood on a weekday to see a gig that started really late because you want to sell liquor and beer it was very hard to work the next day so we thought if we had gigs that were closer to our town like in our town yeah. and then we started them early at 7.30 or 8 you could still do work okay and get to see gigs so he, he starts Jimmy Smack is a or Jimmy Mac right. stage name is Jimmy Smack Jimmy Mack was his name. He's teaching dance, I think. There, you know, he's, I mean, theory. he's still alive and doing really well in San Pedro. You know that he just did that recording and everything. Yeah, that guy's amazing. He was amazing back then too because uh, he lets the theater be available to D. Boone to put on these shows. Mm-hmm. He's a great cat. He's on on some feeble efforts. It's, he had this act where he would play bagpipes and read poetry. Right. Remember the. Uh the, the Fisherman's Festival. Well, that was a way to try to play Pedro. It was oh, yeah. really hard for Minutemen to play Pedro, so he sneaks this in but, as the Star Theater All-Stars or something. It's a fake name, not Minutemen. And uh, he tells us, look, I'm going to do my bit, and then you guys be my backing band. You start jamming, and then I'll melt off, and you just kick into your set, and no one will be able to stop you. Well, he... <laughs> but really, part of his bit... It's not just reading the poetry in the bagpipe. He whips off the kilt and he's in a G-string right. and he's got a crucifix and a rubber snake. Yeah. And he starts grinding it. Yeah, at the uh, Fisherman's uh, Festival. And then and, and, and they close. Now, of course, the Mountain Senior blesses the fisherman feet. And, uh, but when he started walking... It Catholic in, kind of thing. I know, he's walking in the audience with this... this he's doing it right piece. on the stage. The stage well, no, is one of these portable I, things. He walks the truck the opens audience. up and the lady <laughs> in charge of the thing cuts the power, gets up in there and it's... I, this is a disgrace. And uh, Rosetta, I remember... Who didn't dress punk? 
You know, you would think maybe she was like a, not a cheerleader, but somebody happening at high school or something. Very incognito. That, that was a whole kind of thing. After a couple of years, we didn't wear our punk clothes anymore. Actually, she was from Carson. But she comes up to the stage and spit right in this lady's face. And not with Mohawk, not with this. But you had to be, because punks yeah. were so outnumbered in those days. And this is before hardcore. You you kind of had to be uh, keep the punk part in your head and not really wear it in the. Oh, yeah. I love the clothes. I remember making my own clothes and painting them. And, but there was so much grief that fuckers would give you that I had right. to go back. A lot of us went back Frust- to our high school frustration. Clothes. There yeah. was a lot of fear. Yeah, <laughs> intimidation and just bullshit. Yeah. Jock, fuck you, Devo, and this shit. And so you had to, like, you know, just to head off that bullshit, just keep it up in your head so you didn't look like it so much. Well, you know? it was part of the... the I, I really the, liked it, though. I wanted to wear my wild clothes. and. But it's part of the theater of a, the absurd, too, the part of the whole show. Yeah, part and too, making like, your own clothes. Going to the thrift store and taking and ripping them up. Yes, because some of it was copying Johnny Ryan. I remember a safety pin and ripped the clothes together again and painting words on our thing, just paint. But it was a lot of do-it-yourself. It was well, like, you know, kind of neat, man. Also like Richard Hell, you know. Yeah, big-time big influence but, but, of Richard but Hell. But you, you, you were the whole influence on the, the flannel scene. You, you always did well, the flannel. Well, actually, I'm going back to the high school clothes. <laughs> this well, is I, what I, I wore mean, in high school. You, you you wore like one flannel, like I don't know how many gigs, but I mean, it's yeah, like yeah. That, that influenced the but, whole, but whole grunt, I, I gun, gun rock thing. Yeah, right? but I got from John Fogarty. Yeah, right, right. Okay, Queens. And, it's high school clothes. I'm actually <laughs> going back to my high school and junior high clothes, Levi's. and Because you know, I, I, I couldn't wear my punk clothes anymore. These pe- people gave us too much fucking shit. We didn't have a big clique, a big group where just us... We hung out, but I had to work jobs and uh, go right. to college, and I had to interact with Square Johns and shit. I got too much fucking grief, and <laughs> yeah, I should have maybe it. stood up for myself, but it seemed like such a waste of energy. Right. You know what I mean? And and I remember Rosetta going up and spitting on this lady, and the shock, like, <clears throat> this lady didn't look punk, young woman. But that was the whole idea. Punk wasn't just clothes. Even though clothes was yeah. important and shit, it was, and maybe spitting on somebody isn't, the whole 100% part of our scene. Right. I was, she didn't like this lady stopping the kick. Right. And wanted to make her known. And that the lady was freaked out. She's like, oh! Ah! Ah! She couldn't believe that somebody did like that to her. And uh, it wasn't like some caricature from a sensationalized news report of uh, Obviously sex she never, pistols she never in went Tulsa. to a fear show. Yeah, or any that of was that. Like, right. That was like spit shower. Spit, oh, oh, well, our first gigs, but we I were mean, being spit on. But yeah, and, and it was quite, you know, quite I a spit statement on, to look, be doing I spit what on he people. did. I remember Jello when the Dead Kings first came and they played the other mask. You should be ashamed of yourself. I remember spitting on him. Well, I was Baracho. <laughs> and I spit on him and it was, it was on his shoulder. And I had to see that thing the whole gig. It was right there. So I could never complain about me getting spit on. I went and spit on him, and I like him and stuff. I, I wasn't really a negative well, thing. Well, they were spitting on on the Minutemen. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I couldn't complain about that, right? You know, because I had spit yeah. on people. It was part of some kind of social ritual of that scene. And uh, yeah, it wasn't say really. I never spit on anybody. Yeah, yeah. I spit. I spit <laughs> on people all the time. I've got all dry. I spit on myself. I spit on people. <laughs> You get what you're giving. I don't know what the fuck it was about. (laughs) But I'm glad that didn't happen too long. It was just a phase of the scene, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But okay, let's get back to tragic comedy. So you guys are three-piece. 
and you play with us at the Star Theater. I don't I think, think we, you guys were playing that night. You, oh, well, well, I know we played with... What I mean, I'm saying is, D. Boone's putting on these gigs. Right. He actually didn't be part of it. I think who you played with, though, was Watson in Toxic Shock. I know we played with IUD, though, that night. Yeah, in <laughs> Toxic Shock, this Hermosa or Manhattan Beach band, and Watson's in the band. And, and the band He's like 16 or something, 15. Watson was, like, really young. And remember, I, I remember that the Bangs, which turned into the Bangles, uh, didn't, they didn't show up for that gig. They were supposed to play. Yeah, they were supposed to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I it was that. people we would meet at the gigs, and you want to play, and and that's what it was with. You guys yeah, uh, were talking meet- with D Boone, and D Boone just asked you to play. I mean, you would know better than me. Well, not only that, he that the thing I remember most is that he was like, "We want you guys to be on our label." I was like, I was shocked. I was totally shocked. That's after the gig, right? Right. Yeah. Because we didn't was, even know what you sounded like. I remember D Boone telling me about the you guys going to play in these bands. He was very. Not conceited or arrogant, like I'm a big uh, impresario and shit. I'm like, oh, I got this gig, and these guys are going to play, and he's so excited about that stuff. Yeah, not yeah. being a leader or a boss or star maker or something, none of that oh, shit. Yeah. Just the idea that we, because punk, we found out was more than just making a band. It was putting out a, a fan. He made a fanzine called the Pro, putting on gigs. It was all. Co- I it was, have a couple copies. It of that. was just doing everything <laughs> yourself. Because you wanted to, right? And it was a mutual but, connection. I know that, that sounds had, retarded, you know? naive, but before we, that, retarded. we thought it was made by important people, right? Important people play the forum in Long Beach Arena. They put out the big rock magazine, Rolling Stone or whatever. Right? Uh, they, they, you know, you know why they put yeah. out the albums. There's no way that the regular or, or whatever right. trying, to, first, regular, trying, first trying to open night, the door. I would say whatever. that night. To play at that place was like playing at the Forum for me. I was like totally... No, that was, yeah, that this was, was awesome. the whole idea. The empowerment thing. That, that idea that you can get expression out by just will. Yeah. And the people coming together of like mind. So you meet us Pedro guys. We meet Hill guys. Well, actually, you're a Pedro guy by then. So you're not no longer a, a <laughs> new, a Hill new guy. Pedro guy. <laughs> you guys, are, you and John are still on the Hill then. But uh, we see this gig and Dee Boone asked me, Right there. Hey, man, we got to put these guys out. And I think, do you remember what the number was? Are you 10? It's 014. 14? You're 14. Yeah. So you're the 14th record. And we, we recorded at Caswell because I love the Joy single so much. That The sound you guys had there was so great. Yeah, the Joy is the third New Alliance record. That's a really great sounding record. I love that one. Yeah. Just the, the drums are so huge on that record. Or is it the second one? And so then we go out there. Is it the second one or is Chunks the third one? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. But I know Husker Du was the seventh one, uh, Land Speed record. I know we're fourteen. I know. And that. you guys were fourteen. Yeah. And then we were right. First the, one I know is Chuck Cracks in the. We were right. We were right. Uh, coming out at the same time as Secret Hate. That's right. Which Vegetables Right. It came a, out in the same batch. Great both record. records. Those guys were amazing. Okay, so you guys go to Casbah. Casbah was a studio in Orange County. Right. Uh, Mike Patton turned us yeah. on to it. Yeah, I and think then we did. We did uh, some of the songs came out. Well, of course, three of them come out on uh, uh, the Joy EP, but some, later come out on Politics of Time, hmm. and also Bean Spill EP uh, with Joe Carducci, stuff like uh, oh. Case Closed mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> Reagan played Disco. No, this is what's Casbah stuff. Yeah, that's big sounding yeah. stuff. They had a good sound but, over there. But the engineer, though, wasn't he? Uh, he he did the the guy the, that produced our yeah. record. I can't remember his Berlin. name. He did this Berlin record for the, that band. Saint, Berlin. Saint James was his name. John Saint James. John yeah. Saint James. And so yeah. he was our engineer and our producer there. And then he 
he gets like a million dollar check from selling the Berlin record to a major label and he leaves so we have to finish the record ourselves we have no idea what we're doing and that's why it sounds kind of weird <laughs> and kind of crappy well no I, I, th- no, <laughs> I, I disagree I think, I think that, that the, a lot of the criticism that came from the record wasn't so much the songs but was the production they, they were saying that was overproduced for a punk record you know, it was really? sounding too clean. Not only that, but it was it was too many um, different levels of kind of music that they thought was not really a good record. Because it had eight songs. Eight songs, yeah. Are any of those eight songs uh, from uh, from the early cold days? Uh, I don't Probably a couple, maybe. Yeah. Did you yeah. bring any? That's what I want to hear right now. <laughs> Let's hear some cakeholes. I mean the tragic any, comedy. Uh, tragic comedy, Craig. Well, let me let me take a look at. <laughs> yeah, right here it says tragic comedy. I want to hear movie mongrel right now. Yeah, you yeah. You that? see, let's, let's play um, some tragic comedy.
we just heard uh, Wasted Space uh, sometime in the early 80s this is before K. Cole's before Tragic Comedy and it's called Jam Number 2 yeah <laughs> and it was done in the Dirk's Garage no it's at the hangar is this at the hangar in the side okay. room in the side room yeah, yeah I remember that that was a trippy place. <laughs> it was okay. about eight, eight by twelve. I first went there actually to borrow your speaker cabinet. You had a two fifteen inch uh, Yamaha bass cabinet. And I had to borrow, and I, that's the first time I went over there. Um, before that, we heard Tragic Comedy doing Drastic Change off the Homage to Nada record. Uh, Homage to Nada. Who named that? Dirt. I did. You do names. He's good at names. Uh-huh. I guess so. Huh? <laughs> and name calling sometimes. And, uh, <laughs> who wrote the words to Drastic Change? He did. Crane? Yeah, yeah, he did. For cra- Tragic Comedy, you wrote a lot of the words? I, I wrote m- most of that record. Yeah. Um, now, from, was, from the jams of Wasted Space onto songs with words, where was that evolution? He got smart. Uh, he started writing really great, brilliant lyrics. Really good stuff. Really poignant things. Well, to go you. with like kind of the operas, yeah, the jams. Beca- and then they became that. songs. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> verses and choruses. And, yeah. Obviously, the K. Cole thing with the woman singer, verses and choruses. There was no space jams really well, in that band, at, right? At, at no. that time, Dirk, <laughs> Dirk and Chuck were actually writing a lot of those pop tunes, you know, and. Uh, we're moving on, though. Yeah, but 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 anyways, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah that, so once the, again, with a lot of the jams too, we would we, you know get songs. So you, you you got this record out. How much Donato? How did it make you feel? Well, it was. It <laughs> I was, can't even tell you. You know, when you and I went up town and we we mastered the record and we did all that and we we got the record uh, printed, the jacket printed, and everything. You told me you guys can be the first three color record. And I said, no, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to do that. I want to stick with the real minimal ethic of the whole thing. And and so we just went with a two color thing. Four color. It's 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 purple and white. No, but I, I said you guys could be the first four color. Oh, or whatever. Yeah, okay. But, but which I was, means full then, color because you can get all the colors. Because I was thinking about using gold and purple and all this stuff, and I just thought, nah. I, I, yeah, I wanna, you use purple and white. Yeah. And the artwork is uh, actually um, a painting that I did that. Cut up into pieces. Yeah, and, but what uh, about the back? That that was uh, Chuck Hancock. I did that painting. We both did. Well, it was a splatter painting that was cut up into bits. But and they're so small; it's I hard could, to tell. I constructed the whole thing. Yeah, it's hard to right. tell. And, what then, it and then Charlie, who Posted was, was sadly no, no longer in the band, he's the guy who did the drawing in the back, which are kind of caricatures of you guys. Yeah, and you can you can't tell who's who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charlie, well, can. You, you can. I can sort of. Charlie can. <laughs> and so. What was your idea? Let's work this record. Let's go on tour. Oh, no, it was a, quite a, an empowerment, and I, and I, you know, appreciate you know that the whole thing that you guys believed Let's in. Let's go us. on tour and work it. Yeah, and uh, but you never asked us. <laughs> well, you know, I <laughs> we played a lot of shows with you guys, but not yeah, not anywhere not but, but L.A. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the the touring thing. We just really never did. I mean, I guess. For for uh, I don't know what was the reason it was we we're just we had no money <laughs> we had no money and we we're just <laughs> or gas <laughs> or we didn't really believe in our music too much probably I don't know no I did I liked it a lot no it, it 
that that I guess looking back, that's probably something that you know in rec- recollection we, we we should have done. You know, no doubt about it. We got good reviews in like rock and roll. Um, was called Maximum Rock and Roll and places like that. You know, those magazines were really nice to us. But you never thought of like bringing it to the people. We were probably too afraid. Because <laughs> I, I remember <laughs> D. Boone asking me about that. Are these guys going to tour this album? Yeah, I. That's that's one of those regrets. I guess uh, we should have. Yeah. Um, but it, we had a lot of respect for you. We didn't want to tell you what to do. You know, but you didn't tell us anything. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Because the whole idea of the scene was autonomy, you know? No coercion, no hierarchies and like this. But we always were curious. Was, what, well, we, we, these cats want to bring this we, to the people? We, I guess the money thing was part of it. You know, we, you know, let's, let's yeah, get a well, van. Of course, Let, let's a buy a, of Let's buy, buy a van and, and do this. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys did and, uh, you know. We, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but we would have if we could have and we should have. But I know we broke even, right? No, no, I'm, I'm not we talking were. about that. Yeah, it did good. It did good. Especially, you know, I bet as far as me and D. Boom were thinking about, this was a great thing for our New Alliance record label because it was a distinct sound, its own character. It was a great thing. But we wondered why you didn't want to bring it to the people. We played a lot of shows with you guys, but like I said, we never really asked to go on tour or anything like that. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have done it anyway because we were broke. I ate egg sandwiches for like five years. Yeah, you know? so it was the yeah, bones. Yeah, it was. It was. John had a steady job too. That was, I guess, one of the, the main things. Because look, he, he was Dirk, working for. He went on tour with the Minutemen. That was much later. Well, eighty-five. Yeah. Well, John had a st- <laughs> much later. But John, John <laughs> years. John had a. St- <laughs> I think yeah. one of the main reasons John had a steady job in yeah. aerospace, and and he was not willing to say, hey, you know. I got, a, I got a tour. Uh, can you get hold my job for me? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's that was of course one of the, that's that was, one, that's a big thing. That's that was one of thing. the big reasons. Um, I, w- I want to get into how you recorded it, though. We kind of skipped over that, but we're at the end of the first hour. So, uh, August twenty third, two thousand nine. What from Pedro show? Uh, please hold tight for hour two. August 23rd, 2009, second hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Brush your teeth. They smell like feet. Chug some banaca. They smell like caca. Shit, throat, shit, throat. You got Shit, throws, shit, throws, shit, throws. You got shit, throws. You must gargle with piss and brush with shit. Throw some search down your motherfucking throat and swallow some soap. Shit, throws, shit, throws. You got shit, throws, shit, throws, shit. You got shit, bro! Shit! 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 Shit!
time on that song. Thank you. 
from Pedro Show. Started off the second hour with uh, Shit Throat by Schmegma. Not to be <laughs> confused with Schmegma. It's been in Portland a long time. Richard Meltzer was a member of that band for a while. Uh, but this is Schmegma. And then we heard Fucking an Animal by Guar. I think they're from Richmond, Virginia. And then This Are That by The Last Stand. I can't remember where he's from. And then Die Slow by Tobacco, something new from Tobacco. Now he's from Pittsburgh, I know that. And uh, here uh, at Dirk's Pad here in Pedro, a couple days before I go to Tokyo. Can you hear the waves? Hear the waves, all kinds of stuff. Uh, oh, actually, we're only a couple blocks from Brother Matt's Pleasure just, Point. Just a block from Kabuto Beach. I love Beach. on the Pleasure Kabu- Point. 
right right overlooking Cabrillo Beach. Right, right. Your pad looks west. North. <laughs> it's in the, the ocean is right there. Right, it's on the the same way that this scene is, is happening on the other side of the hill. Yeah, looking this is towards east. yeah, okay, well looking towards Santa Monica Bay. You're, you're 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 on the west side of the hill, but you're right. pointed north. Okay, so you get sunsets, much different here. We get sunrises. Yeah, and they're lovely. Yeah, haven't had one for a couple weeks though. So. It's been foggy. It's yeah. been so marine layer. Well, not really fog because I'm pedaling around. I can see things. It's but the we we monitor the sun level. We it's just covered up. We 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 monitor the the sun pretty well from both our angles. <laughs> yeah, we communicate daily about that. <laughs> now, make sure it came up again. Make sure it worked out a, again. I want to get back to recording homage to Nana. Uh, how did you plan it? I mean, you know, did you get those eight songs? Let's practice these a bunch, 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 so we could go in there and just do it almost like a gig. I know the guy quits in the middle of your proj because of success with a new wave band and abandons you. <laughs> I think we were, we were really ready to do that whole thing at that time. We were very well practiced and everything, but it was the whole overdub thing that kind of like I think threw 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 me off and threw us off a little bit because it it doesn't really transfer to what we used to do live. So it's it's kind of a weird process, you know. Well, that's why we'll play some of those live <coughs> jams from the San Pedro party. Uh, how how many days did it take all together? a few weeks a few weeks maybe three weeks something like that driving down there and doing that yeah Casbah in Orange County what was it Fullerton I think so yeah well, it, was, it was a blast doing it I mean it's like <laughs> never did that before and that's well I thought Kate Coles you went to a Hollywood studio we did but well, that was much more conducive to like what we were really into at that time you know, it was more fun and more relaxed yeah up there was like you got this producer guy telling you you know this is great. Try it again. You know, down there was this other guy was just like, just do what you want, and it was it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, more control. Yeah, a little more control of the from the band. Yeah, yeah. right, right. But in the end, we lost all control. <laughs> well, actually, we what probably we gained all control because the guy left, and yeah, right. That was probably the folly of the whole thing. I think overall, because we didn't know what we were doing, and we were asking this engineer that was there to like do this or do that like put the drums through like this weird uh, phase shifter thing and all this we had all these dumb ideas and we were yeah. you know I don't know from listening to other records maybe yeah of, of yeah. course yeah that's where it came from well, I think the record came out good though overall I mean it's like, I think it's a bit thin sounding but I like the, the songs are great I think they're really good songs yeah it could have maybe had a little bit more bass so, so speaking as a bass player eh? <laughs> <laughs> so uh what happens with the band after that? Nothing. <laughs> well, no. We, we tried to sell some records and, and uh, keep playing. did some with, gigs. Keep playing with, with you guys. Yeah. yeah, with the Minute Man. And, and then we all hate each other and fall apart. There was something at the beginning of the show that I played after John Coltrane. I didn't talk about it. It was called Faux Fum. And it was a project I was involved with the, with you guys and Martin Tambervich. And Kevin Floyd. Kevin Floyd. The five of us. And uh, it was a song called I, I Ask No Questions. 
my memory is really bad. We, we, this is around this time when you stopped doing tragic comedy. Mm, I don't. I don't think so. No, no. It, you continue with tragic comedy. Yeah, it, that was just a total side project. That was really fun. Well, I, I think after about a year or so, we 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 kind of like started to not be into it as much anymore, and uh, you know, kind of. <laughs> Kind of faded in a sense, but we did like we'd get together every every year or two, and we'd still play and, and stuff like that. We do a gig like at Sacred Grounds or or whatever. But uh, you know, to me, my a lot of my favorite. That's much later. That's like in the nineties, right? Yeah, but I you know it's like that's why uh, I brought some of those jams because it's like to the me, full thumb. We we're trying to remember. Those. I mean, you got to help me with this because I remember some of it. We're at the Torrance Airport in a hangar, this tape is from, and maybe it's 84? Yeah. 1984? Whose idea was it? You're it still your, doing, you're still doing your tragic idea. comedy. Yeah, it's it was my your, idea. I think it was your idea, yeah. Just to put together a band that had um, no guitars. That's where oh. it, was, it was a lot of horns and a lot of... Yeah, like, right, there's weird. no guitar. Right. But there's an urban sitar. My... Uh, that's not a guitar. I understand. Martin's but playing sax it's, it's and a, flute. It's, a, it's other string instrument in the band or than in the bass. And and uh, Kevin's singing, playing sax. Well, it's Dirk's interesting. Playing drums. You got to got to tell a little bit about that instrument. That because okay. the was that, that that weird stirrup? Yeah, I, I use silver horse stirrups. And <laughs> well, I this was a whole invention of yours. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and and actually, I. I we d- I did a gig with you guys uh, jam session up at uh, Music Machine with Charlie Hayden, and and it had that there. I I'll never forget him looking at this thing. What the? <laughs> now the Minuteman. We should talk about that. I think Full Fun might have came out of this, because Minuteman, in a lot of gigs we did, we would interject little jams. Yeah. Maybe two, three, four of them a gig. Yeah. And they'd go in between our little songs. To like break things up, it'd be total like unpredictable last, last shit. Last blast for youth or something like that. Yeah, yeah. well, someone would gave a song, well, or I would I would give names on, or I'd call them jam or some kind of thing, on the set list, right. and you guys would pop out on stage and play with us. Right. You'd play trumpet. Dirk yeah. would play sax. Martin would play sax. Dirk would play trumpet. Right. Dirk actually joined us for the uh, uh, Marshall Live at '85 tour. And jammed with us. That's the tour where we played John Coltrane's Ascension before every gig. Right. Remember that? I played saxophone every night on uh, the product, which was your product. Yeah. That was. In fact, we start bringing. Yeah. And that lady yeah. that did that did the the twenty fifth anniversary of new, uh, Double Nickels. She wrote to me and she was asking me if I was the guy on, on trumpet. And I said no. I played sax. On yeah. The, but you did tour, the gigs. Yeah. Because we're starting with. Uh, actually, you're on the politics of time because right. there's there's live. Songs on there and some of the jams That's last on last that. youth. That's, yeah, right. Well, yeah, the buzzer. Spot came on and played clarinet. He's on one of the well, tunes on that album. Bu- buzzer Howell had some. But we would do this to bring because everything else was very practiced and well rehearsed, and so we thought these would be little, yeah, little breathers. Buzzer Howell had that. Buzzer Howell yeah, is the first record where we incorporate horns and, with and, and structured jamming. songs. Well, okay, but well, the product is a song. Now we that's a live to two track thing. We had just written those songs right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't even know how to end Little Man with a Gun in his hand. But it was D. Boone's idea. I remember him asking me, man, can we bring Crane in? 
and we'll just have him jam in the middle part of this song. And it was maybe at Media Art in Hermosa Beach. I think so. Yeah. And there's also some jams on there. The Toe Jam. And right. Dreams of Free Motherfucker. Yeah. And uh, those are just screwing around between songs <laughs> in the studio. Right. But then we go on, uh, the next year we do uh, Project Mersh. And this is like, Debu uh, composes songs with you. Right. I think you're on every song, either playing trumpet or singing background. Yeah, working on the horn lines in in the in the background singing. Yeah, so you're almost like a fourth Minutemen record yeah. for some, especially for that project. Right, that project. Yeah. And uh, yeah, for the gigs, I know whenever you guys were available, you'd come and jam with us. Well, yeah, and I did that one tour with you too, up uh, the the Bay Southwest Area. tour. We went up to Oregon. Uh, Seattle, Seattle. Or, okay, okay, but <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> that was a really fun thing with the black flag, and and we we did like jams That's in, right. in between with them too. That's right. So yeah. so that that was there was good. a big uh, move towards improvisation to kind of balance out the real structured tiny right, songs. Yeah. We thought this would make a more uh, balanced set, and it was. Uh, so some so surprise for us on stage, of course, what we'll come up a with. Surprise. <laughs> but they were very small. I remember right. they'd be like a minute or two, and then you guys would run off, and we'd go back to some songs, well, no, and you'd come run back on, right. and we'd do a little... They'd <laughs> like, be these little bursts of... Right. So, so the audience would probably seem like they were songs. Right. Well, and I, I brought the, that, that tape from the, the gold mine where we'll play some of that later, where there is actually one of those jams, and uh, just to, you know... <laughs> Share that. Right, so this is what I think. Getting back to faux fub, what it came out of this, right? And, and I, I also I didn't follow up on the <laughs> explain that, yeah, because that's important. Yeah, what was the device? Yeah, okay. Well, it was this this uh, stand with two upside down pails, and in the pails there were two guitar strings coming down attached to stirrup, <clears throat> just these stirrups. Where I put my feet in there and I'd stretch the strings and, and use a bow or pluck. <laughs> and uh, that you was. Did you have that thing? No. But. Uh, what happened to it? That's maybe somewhere in the basement. I have to look. <laughs> but no, it, it added a real interesting sound that, that you can hear on, on those full fun recordings that I brought along. And uh, we'll, play, we'll play another one where it's more of a spacey thing where you can actually hear the timbre. Of of that a lot better. Were you playing that, that with bows? Well, I was playing with bows and plucking it, and, and stretching the strings with the stirrups. So I just wanted to <laughs> put some context of what what you're hearing there when when we play that. Wasn't that some part of class that you were in to make yeah, up instruments? Yeah, like actually at Dominguez State they had a an experimental um, instrument building class that that came from. So. Oh wow. Uh, now we did a gig. Fofum did a gig, right? Right. At, at, One gig at Eddie's Burrito Factory downtown. <laughs> I don't know if they're still there, but uh, we had uh, movies going on in the background, and and what's so you cool? Whose movies? Dirk's, yours. I remember. Yeah, that. yeah, and. Uh, I mean, one of the things that was cool, cool about that sound. It was so minimal. I mean, Dirk was playing on a, a percussion kind of gig, so. You know, it was just a lot of space to play with, and with the kind of beatneck sound of uh, 
the the poetry thrown in between the stuff. So it was a very interesting uh, band. You know, <laughs> one of my favorite bands I was in. <laughs> in a very short life. <laughs> well, that's maybe six months, <laughs> something like that. I remember us having a lot of pracs. We had a few pracs, yeah. And they'd be at the airport, at Torrance Airport, in that yeah. hangar. You know, in that room. Yeah, and then the... The, the big prac for the gig was in the hangar. Yeah. And that's where this tape is from. Yeah, that's where the, the echo <laughs> comes from. <laughs> like, uh, okay, let's, let's listen to this urban sitar.
Rock from Pedro Show. Um, we just heard some more tragic comedy. That was uh, Scientific Proof, one of me and D. Boone's favorite songs by these guys. Uh, liked a lot of their stuff, but we actually did a cover of this song. Uh, Minuteman. Very interesting. D. Boone loved that riff. And before that, we heard Well, Whatever by C.L. Yates. And then uh, Everything But Roller Skates by S.R. Woodward before that. Uh, Fusan Bakudan by Oh My Cow. And started with Lonely Dark Cell by Fofun. Which uh, couldn't remember the title, so Crane came up with one. I think actually somebody says that in the song. I yep. heard it. Yeah. And well, uh, <laughs> that was one of the few examples we have of the urban sitar. Highlighted to that, some degree. That Crane uh, invented. <laughs> and <laughs> I should be destroyed. selling a guitar safari, but I, I have to work up to <laughs> tuning it up or a little bit. the shit said Yeah, the, it, you guys were talking about the production of the scientific proof there and there should have been more bass. Now you you were rocking a Hondo then. Yeah, you like didn't have the P bass. Yet. Didn't have the money to because I think I'm playing the white <laughs> P bass in that faux thumb recording there. So I think we're using yeah. the equipment from the Prac Pad. Um, Your Hondo was like a, a copy of a Dan Lecter Longhorn, right? You would know. I, I don't think know. so. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd you get that Marshall Music? Probably. I remember it had Demarzio P bass pickup. Yeah, aluminum, I did, I did. aluminum foil on the headstock. What was that about? Well, I even dressed it up in burlap at one point too, just to. That's right. It was all wrapped in burlap. <laughs> it was in burlap, not over the strings. <laughs> no. <laughs> Keep some integrity to the sound. Yeah. Now. And you were a pick player. Yeah. Well, I originally wasn't, but when I got into for a while there with the uh, the whole. Uh, the playing, I, I went for that, but uh, you know, then I went back to playing with with the fingers too. Yeah, you know, because because uh, because that that was more from the the heart, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you you definitely being uh, somebody that 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 does that well. Yeah, I did some pick at first. The punk was too fast for me. Then when I got good enough, I went back to fingers because you know it's harder yeah. to lose. Fingers <laughs> and pick and on the picks, stage, <laughs> but don't tell that to the woodshop teacher. <laughs> I remember, yeah, Mr. Bowman was at Dotson. He, Today's lesson class, safe. <laughs> I got three fingers. <laughs> yeah, you're chopping. Don't follow my off. Don't follow my example. Yeah, bandsaw. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, trippy bass. He's just. I think developed a bass style all your own, you know. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, I, I, I think you know, as both of us being bass brothers or of the bass brotherhood, um, yeah. we both would be inspired by our playing to yeah. to to push it and 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 to not just you know play the the bass guitar more like with the antics of a rock guitar player with more aggressiveness, more like attacking. And, and pushing it so there's more energy happening than just being you know more <laughs> subdued well in the also background. not knowing what, you, what the hell you're doing 
Yeah, right. but after a while, I mean, he, <laughs> you'd, you'd I, mean I think he had some idea of coming from trumpet. He had some musical also, background. Also, well, playing by ear, I think the he Billy, was a great yeah. bass player and a singer at the same time, which is pretty, and playing bass, really, yeah. really hard to do. Difficult. Very difficult, yeah. What about drums? Do you like where you took the drums? Because uh, you continue to play drums to this day. Yeah, but... Um, well, I own a guitar shop, so it's kind of hard. People are always asking me, like, why do you play the drums in this band? Because uh, our guitar player is better than I am, so I have to let him do what he wants to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, but do you love playing the guitar? I love, play- I love, love playing the drums, bass, guitar. I don't care what the hell it is, you know, it's fine, you know. Yeah, yeah. We got to play together, him on drums, me on bass, for a reactionary song. That was very ago. fun. I had a great time over there. What did we do? What song was it? 1979. It was very difficult for me, but you encouraged me a lot. I look over at you and you're like laughing at me and stuff, but it was really, really fun. (laughs) I was laughing with you. I I, I know, I know. You were laughing at me. I I think that 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 was one of the main ingredients that had us be, be such a good improv band because... Dirk was such a spastic drummer, and <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and I know I love his drum playing. It's like Keith Moon, you know. It's like you know, wow. once again putting the whole intensity into your instrument, and you know, not worrying about you know necessarily always you know being on the the yeah, click but, beat. But part of that is about I didn't know what I was doing either. So well, the same, yeah. yeah that's where it comes from. That's where. <laughs> but it's hard to use that after a while. Have you ever played drums before? No. It's it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, I've tried. It's very. It's it's, it's almost. I like, would love to. I know I would be a better bass player. It's like an octopus. You got to get four <laughs> limbs going in, <laughs> in the right. It, it makes you sweat a lot. That's for sure. Yeah, but it's a, the most upfront about being a rhythm instrument, and especially in rock music, it's fundamentally <laughs> a rhythm oriented style, and so we're all like little drummers. Even if we're on bass right. and stuff, exactly. You still playing bass, Crane? Uh, not as much as I uh, used to. I still writing songs and playing the track thing. You know, you but, play a lot of keyboard now. Well, whatever the the song calls for. But uh, you know, I do a lot of instrumentals these days, and uh, he plays everything too. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I my my mom had the uh, organ piano at the house, so we we always. Have some good parties, <laughs> toying around with those sounds, <laughs> jamming around. Uh, do you still play trumpet? No, not 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 that much. But uh, you know, I just. Uh, do you remember recording the songwriting? Product? Songwriting. Do you remember recording the product? Now that was live to two track, and I think Spot used four mics. No, that, great that, job. Well, thanks. That, that was a blast playing on that, and, and uh, because the whole. Are you laughing at the end? I think you run out of air. <laughs> <laughs> like he is right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you remember? I mean, if you listen to the the tune. Well, no. I. I it's just it, it's one of the good things about that song. It's it really captured uh, the live energy, you know, of, of the of, of the tune. You know, even though it was done in the, the studio, but. Uh, the whole theme of the song too, the product, you know, it's just yeah. like, and uh, you know, I, I mean, eventually doing uh, Project Mersh, <clears throat> where you know, playing King of the Hill was like a whole nother thing because it was like you know this all prepared, yeah, but it was also 
even though it was a simple trumpet line, it was this kind of like bugler <laughs> thing to it. Like that's not, a, that's not a word, is it? Uh, I, I, I like to bugler. make things, I like to. <laughs> I think it was bugling. <laughs> bugler. I like the, the. It was bugling. No, it's like I don't know. Not you know. It's like I was like around a, a charge. A, that a was you and Boone together composing that. But you went over his pad and he sh- played it on the guitar. Right, right, and and sang it. Right, because it sounds like it was kind of to go with the singing line. It's yeah. in the choruses. No, I mean it's just this. It's such a great like this lull in the in the piece, and it's just like he's going off in this tr- trance, uh, beating it kind of thing, and all of a sudden, boom! You know, it comes on right. this big barrage. Of, of now sound. you do play some. Um, this is Project Merch, and uh, <clears throat> we'll play some of these tunes so you can hear. But. Um, and then the, you did the video too on uh, with everyone from Pedro up at Friendship Park. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say yeah. about that. Were you there? Yeah, yeah. Were you there, Dirk? I was there. Yeah, that, yeah. that was that was the one thing that I was a real fun time. That was up at Friendship Park. When, yeah, when, when, when D Randy rolled Johnson down the, <laughs> when D rolled down the hill and he was like bloody from rolling on rocks. There, he rolled like five miles down that hill. It was really scary. And the director kept on saying, "Do it again." <laughs> yeah, do it again. <laughs> the hill and, yeah. <laughs> I remember he painted the world on top of his mm. head. <laughs> and, and I'm missing at the end of the video, so I, I guess Martin and I were taken away by the New World Order or something because in the little wearing little thing, a, some people had costumes, gorilla masks. Yeah, Jakowski was this whole. <laughs> that was a weird concept behind that. Georgie were dressed up as like army checking men. Checking the hot dogs out of people. That was weird too. That was it was scary. all about yeah. There was an element of eating a lot of chow. <laughs> Well, it, it, you know, it's it's like th- that whole freedom thing, basically. You know. Well, I think Randy Johnson had a concept in his mind, right? But I mean, but the, I'm a, interested in, in you know how you did. You like the how he came up with it? Obviously, you would have said no. We don't. You liked what he did with it, right? Yeah. I mean, it was it was it was comical, but it was also yeah. kind of it was serious stuff because it was this whole like. You know, Martin and I were taken by these people. <laughs> it's like, you know, the whole dictator concept that, yeah. that I dictator don't think Dictator Max mixed with big time chowing at the queue. And, and cartoon. You know what, what scares me about in. that? The scariest part of that video is like when, when uh, Dee Boone's holding Tony's kid. Yeah. That's Michael. really, really. And then he t- bows his head down and he he's got the, the world. Like, here you go. Painted. <laughs> <laughs> on the top of his head. Well, I, I think uh, I think historians will be studying that video for some time to actually and then figure the, out what it was. Serious ending, where like playing it fades out with the sunset. That's what I mean. And, and the three of you are in the sunset. And, and the guys like, with the guns. Yeah, they, <laughs> like Martin. Mar- yeah, well, we, we have uh, megaphones. We're shouting deep wounds. Right. He's got a crown on it. Yeah. <laughs> Barbecue apron. Well, no, that's how the video starts. Like the crown it falls off and it's like that's rolling right. rolling around on the on the ground. The whole thing makes perfect sense if you ask me. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, not not to get too you know, political. Not Jones, to get too political the guy here, from right? The last video we did was uh made by John Jones from uh John Talley Jones last number of years from the urinals. And he used part of Toe Jam mixed in with Akak. Actually, there's like a prelogue to the song. It's actually longer than the song because we did a cover of the Urinal song. 
ak 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 even though the real one was ak 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 right for some reason we cut off one of the acts <laughs> I don't know why we also only did two of the verses There's a, there are a lot of we acts. abbreviated it wasn't like it wasn't short enough you know we had to make it shorter and we played it very fast but yeah you're jamming we took from Buzzer Howl one of those jams to go before ak 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 wow and that's hilarious it's like uh, that was John Jones's up John Talley Jones's brainchild where that's like we've wire, been asked it's like w- listening to Wire you know very well it's, it's the video it. though is like Three Stooges he's the, we're being asked to clean up some bouge record executive's right. office and wow. of course we end up destroying it wow I gotta see that there's a Three Stooges uh, where this they're asked to wallpaper you ever see that one they're asking their wallpapers. You know, I want this room done up, and they can wallpaper over the television, the windows. The, the next thing you see is uh-huh. the guy trying to get through the door, uh-huh. pushing the door through <laughs> the wallpaper. And Mo's like, "What? You know, like, what's wrong?" Well, well, that, that, <laughs> so they wallpapered but, everything. But that <laughs> it's was all sideways. That was in your, one of your phrases for for New Alliance: the knucklehead defiance from New Alliance. From the that came from Alliance. Yeah. 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 I guess it was kind of like that. But that, that was John Jones' take on the Minuteman in a way. It was like, like a Three Stooges thing. I remember it ends with D. Boone put his. Well, we had the Three Stooges. D. Boone's head went through the wall, and then Georgie gets a board and like prizes. That's on the last act. Act. And he pops D. Boone's head out of the wall. <laughs> the two by four. Plus, plus, you guys had the, the Three Stooges. Poster in the back of the van for a long time. Well, that happened. Yeah, we got that on tour. I think John from uh, Laughing Hyenas, we stayed at his pad and he gave it to us and we put it in the back window of the van. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we were, yeah, kind of like comedy. I guess, you know, people have their different takes. Randy Johnson with uh, King of the Hill. Also, he did uh, The Say No Picnic. Right. We're talking four hundred and forty dollars for this ain't no picnic, and that's a classic. Maybe twenty three hundred or twenty one hundred dollars for King of the Hill. Very Econo yeah, videos. They're and John great. Jones, I think, was three hundred dollars. Yeah. Also, we got another. We did King of the Hill the same time we did a gig that day, right after the video shooting, yeah, with the Circle Jerks at the uh, Olympic Auditorium. It's a Korean church now. Used to be okay. a boxing place for a while. Anyway, uh, he got a video out of that for "Ain't Talk About Love." Remember, he like solarized it right, and yeah. a big close up mm-hmm. on D Boone's. Somebody gave D Boone some like Gucci shoes or some shit. Gucci, <laughs> Gucci, some kind of bouge things, and there's like a close up of him dancing. You know how he used to play gigs, right? He'd do that bunny hop thing and dance around. He, he's pretty light on his feet. Oh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, amazing. And there's like a close-up on his feet, his dance moves in the middle. I mean, that's a 38-second song. So we actually got two videos out of a $440. <laughs> Incredibly, kind of. That Buzzer Howl record I was telling you about, um, we made for $50. No way. That was like the two-track, wow. two hours in the studio. And the other side, okay. Ethan James said, you give me a song for my Radio Tokyo tapes... And I'll record one of yours. And we put three of our songs together and told him it was some big, you know, opus. <laughs> so it cut, uh, self-referenced, and Dream Told by Moto was actually, we said it was one song. So we got that for free. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Great cat. 
<laughs> you know, we were talking about having a jammy cano, right? Yeah, I mean, you had to. It's what no, I, no, I love situation. that phrase because, I, I mean, that transcends so many It was things. a lyric in a song that I wrote called, it's on Double Nickels, called uh, The Politics of Time. And near, near the end of the song, uh, I go with Jamie Cano and makes a stench, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a, it's a great phrase and it's it's timeless. You know, we, we need it more today than than ever, right? Yeah. Well, luckily, a lot of music stuff, recording stuff, is more Cano, and so more and more people don't have that barrier in the way like in the old days. Yeah. So much. But if you wanted to make it happen, you know, <coughs> you could find a way. And that was Jamini Kano. Yep. Well, yeah. there's a way. Yep. Um, let's play some of that uh, stuff you do with the Minutemen. August 23rd, 2009, third hour of the Waffle Pedro Show, and here's part nine of Jack Flanders in the White Castle. 
Jack, we think Dominique is possessed. Oh, what else is new? I'm serious. Maybe Mojo can exercise her. Oh, you mean take her for a trot around the track? He meant exorcise. No, she's looking pale. She could use some exercise. <laughs> Where is Dominique? The well, last time I saw her, she was in that bar in Ipanema. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Well, I gotta warn you, the smoke demons got her. What? She has started smoking again. Wonderful. She's smoking like a fiend. Take Mojo with you. Where is he? Last time I saw him, he was in the French Quarter. Do you want us to go with you? Uh, no, no, let's not overwhelm well, her. If you need help, just yell. I will. Dominique and her smoke demons. Great. Mojo? Oh, Mojo. What? You who, man? Who's that? It is you. It's who? It is you, man. You're me? I am you. Why is that? Why is anyone? Anyone. Why is anyone? If there were not anyone, there wouldn't be anyone. If it weren't for you, there wouldn't be me? <laughs> that is right, Mom. That's not right. That is life. That's not life. Who is right? It depends. Who is left? Who is right? It's who is left. That don't make it right. That is what is left. Pull up a chair. You want to talk, Mom? I want to listen. Okay. I will talk. You will listen. Mojo? He's not here. Hey, wait. Is that... That's yeah, Sanford White. Claudine. Claudine is there with him. I want you to see my castle. But this isn't Paris. It's New Orleans. You know I'm with someone. Get rid of him. It's not that easy. Then bring him along. Did he just put his hand on her knee? I think he'll notice. If you want, I'll take care of him. She told me she hardly knew him. He's not the brightest, but he's not stupid. I said I'll take care of him. Oh, I still need him. Claudine, I can give you whatever you want. I'm not finished with him. Well, when you've finished, you know where to find me. Stanford. Change. Oh my God. Oh, Johnny. 
Uh, Wake up. Are you okay? How you doing, Jake? Oh, God. Okay, all right. Sit down. Why? I want to talk. Talk about what? Our relationship? <laughs> I said sit down. I'll think about it. You're pissing me off. What are you going to do, jerk? I'm going to make you sit. Back off. I'm going to teach you a lesson. You can't teach me nothing. We're going to talk whether you like it or not. Oh, yeah? Sit down. Make me. Hey, hey. So here's where you went sniveling off to lick your wounds, huh? Yeah. Go ahead. Gloat. All the signs were there, but no, you kept thinking, it can't be me. Yeah, I know. So? So you never learn. Always trusting. Always the sucker. I'll survive. Fools do survive. You know, I'd like to be left alone. Alone to sulk? That's right. Fat chance. Yeah. I figured as much. We never leave anyone alone. Yeah. Do you know what? What? I'm out of here. Why? Because you got company. So long, sucker. Huh. That was easy. Hello, handsome. Dominique? I'm Simone. Oh, yeah. Right. Buy me a drink, Zelo. <laughs> Ask a robot. They'll bring you whatever you want. Got a light? Look, do you have to smoke? Yeah, I do. <coughs> yeah. I thought you quit. <laughs> I never quit. Look, Dominique, what are you up to? Simone. Right. You know, you do look different. Uh, you look depressed. Yeah, I guess. Cigarette? No, thanks. Jack? Yeah? What's wrong with me? What? Am I attractive? Well, you're... You're wearing lipstick. You're wearing perfume. You're wearing something quite revealing. I thought I'd spend a night on the town. Yeah, well, looks like you're dressed for it. Do you want to do something? Probably not. Come on. I, I don't think so. Let's have some fun, okay? What did you have in mind? Well, just something to help you forget her. Forget who? <laughs> You'll know who. Do you know about this? Doesn't everyone? How do you know? I was watching it in the French Quarter. Oh, God. Sanford and Claudine. They make a nice couple. What is it, a, a loop or something that just keeps playing over and over? That's the way it works. The way what works? The things you can't get out of your mind, they just keep playing over and over. Dominique. Who are you? Simone. Yeah. You could be. How about a drink? Mm. Sure. Why 
Why not? Hey, Shorty, come here. So, Simone, what would you like? Hmm. To begin with, or to end with? <laughs> From Pedro Show. Started off the third hour with the part nine of Jack Flanders in the White Castle. Much thanks to ZBS Media. Me, Ball Fulton, for doing a great creation. 38 years now of these mind movies with Jack Flanders. Uh, discovering what's to be learned through uh, outside world and reacting with inside world. Uh, find out more information at zbs.org that Z is in Zeppelin E is in eggplant no <laughs> that's wrong Z is in Zeppelin B is in beautiful <laughs> and S is in silent.org check it out good stuff then we heard a uh, band from England called Lovers doing a tune called D. Boone. And my uh, friend uh, Jasper in Holland was doing a record review and he said, hey, what? There's this band and they have a song called D. Boone. Oh. And Dirk would m mention to me Uncle Tupelo. Well, the bass player in that band now is uh, Nels Klein's boss, Wilco. Wilco. Ah, biplane. Yeah? Seagull. Me, me and, uh, come on, man. Me yeah. and, uh, Nels, Mr. Shimmy just asked us to make plans for December 30, January 8th trip to Tokyo, make second brother's daughter out. So planning early. You gotta check it out, dude. 
by the way, as far as news go. Now, Craig, uh, you wanted to talk about uh, gigs you went to. Well, we were talking about our mutual shared audience experience of Don Kirshner rock concerts in Yeah, they were Long filmed Beach. here in Long Beach. Yeah, we saw uh, T-Rex and uh, Steppenwolf and uh, LaBelle. Average white band. <laughs> Pick up but the we, we, were in the, we were in the audience and we didn't realize that. We didn't know that. Yeah, so. We took punk gig <laughs> for us to find each other. And you were horrified by something, right? The Blue Oyster Cult gig? Jerk. Oh well, the okay. start start didn't work. <laughs> no, no, uh, not necessarily. But I was, um, yeah, I was horrified by something. I, uh, but not necessarily. Watching <laughs> Blue to Cult, and this lady was dancing like a hippie lady in front of me, and in, in somebody's vomit. It was pretty horrible. <laughs> But what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Well, no, no, it's <laughs> gigs. I'll tell you a puke-related thing. Uh, Black Sabbath at Long Beach Arena. Me, Tony Platten, and uh, his brother Mark go there. And to this day, I still can't drink Schlitz malt liquor. But we mix that with the uh, slow gin, which is some terrible kind of candy-ass. No. Really? And okay, sorry. Some candy-ass uh, woman kind of drink thing. <laughs> And way too much of it. We are end up. Puke. I remember. Well, slow gin is horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. That stuff is it's like some slow berries, right? It's poison. Uh, Very flavoring to some gin, and it's like, yeah, oh god. And anyway, uh, we're puking it all up there and slipping <laughs> off the seat. <laughs> remember the one of the worker men come there with the sawdust to soak up the puke, and he just threw it all over us as we were laying there, <laughs> bilge pump just, and it was. It was coming. It was coming. I remember looking over and seeing like hot dog. That was at least two thirds of the way. That the mark came out of somebody. What? Who didn't chew? What? They didn't chew. You know, you know you, one of the most dramatic. That's the, you know when I watch you eat, that's the same way that you. So eat. maybe it came out of me then. I've seen you eat a burrito in like two bites, <laughs> like a giant. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God. He yeah. won the contest then. Well, no, one of the gigs that, that was was shocking to me and horrifying was uh, when, when the Minutemen played in Tijuana with the Invisible Chains, and we'll, we'll play some of that later, um, Is was that the Invisible Chains opened for you guys and, you know, playing Einstein's followers. And, yeah. And, 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 Joey Aidhead. Yeah, and one of, one of the things that was most <laughs> bizarre about that particular show was there, there wasn't anyone really in the audience at that time and this this guy really gung-ho about punk rock thought that yeah you know gotta jump up on stage and, and, and jump into the arms of my fellow punks yeah, yeah. right but the thing is he, he got up on stage and he did this like backflip thinking they're all gonna catch him the five people <laughs> and the dude landed right on yeah. the back of his neck. You remember that? Yeah, and they, yeah. they had to come and take him away, and it was just like you know, that to me was kind of such a symbolic sign of like, you know, that's not what punk's about to be breaking your neck over something where you know there weren't that many people to begin with. But he wanted to you know get into it, so just wanted. <laughs> Maybe those five people should have tried and caught him. Why? <laughs> That's a great story, man. 
<laughs> well, it's not a great story for him. The guy, the guy. I, I hope he's not paralyzed to this day. I mean, it's. It, but it just goes to show the fanaticism that can happen in any situation where. Yeah, well, you can be riding your skateboard by yourself. Well, I know, but I'm just. It, it was just kind you of. Mean a, you go to outlaw skateboard. Yeah, I know, but I. Some things have risk factors. <laughs> And, and, and make sure you have your friends out there to catch you, I guess, is what I'm trying Rock to say. Rock climbing. I think somebody at Mount Wilson <laughs> fell off the trail last week. Experienced lady hiker. Well, 90 feet and died. It just goes to show that uh, the risks of, yeah. of any particular situation in, in that <laughs> one in, in particular. Somebody jumped on the stage at a gig in Ohio and shot to death a guitar player. Maybe Dimebag or something? That's, yeah, it's a while ago. Right? Yeah, but it still happened. Uh, they said he he broke up Pantera or something, and so this guy was very angry. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, so and, and, and get, get killed. Right. Well, there's it, risks to everything. Well, no, talking about the well, risk things. I, I mean, I, I was amazed that that uh, we survived so many punk riots where the police started the riot. <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget that one show. I, I, I think you were there, Dirk, um, at the Legion's Hall downtown, um, where there, there, yeah, there was a, a disturbance. The same situation that happened at Longshoreman Hall, where you well, have you have two belligerent dudes throwing shit around, breaking bottles, chairs, and then instead of like the security just taking those dudes out, it's like let's call the the posse. And then I, I'll never forget at. at, at this is like the Bags X and, and, and uh, Suburban Lawns gig, and everyone's like kicking back on the big stairway, yeah. and I just saw this whole line of police officers with their shields and their helmets and billy clubs come in to slowly march up the stairs and start beating people <laughs> up, and they were just like going, hey... <laughs> you know, right. we, 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 we were part of, part of that early violence, those dudes are gone. <laughs> They're just in the ass kicking. No, but I mean, I've seen a lot of but that you know, I guess part the of the thing that in, in 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 like in the longshoreman incident where those those dudes went off and you know helicopters and stuff, it's like it was lucky being associated with the band because I remember hiding behind the amp, slowly pushing it through all this chaos. And it's like, yeah, it's like we're just trying to uh, <laughs> peacefully, get peace, out. yeah, peacefully leave the scene. <laughs> That was a rowdy gig. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, problems, problems, problems with, with, with humans and music and uh, gathering, uh, social gatherings. But it was always about the music. That's the, the thing, and, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and we were talking about that earlier about, you know, you didn't have to wear any particular uniform to go there and have a good time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, lots right. of times, you know, I would go and and wear a mixture of jeans, uh, you know. And a mixture a, of jeans and, and, and shirt and, and, and <laughs> nice suit or whatever and, 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 and play with you guys and you know I wasn't hassled for that yeah, but I yeah. mean the, the whole idea that this was all about the music about the art form about a mentality of, of being able to do what we were doing and focusing on the art form you know not the fashion yeah have you been doing gigs? not for a long time when was time. your last gig? But you've been doing music in the pad. We've got to play yeah. some of your music. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I still do that. But 
it's it's funny you asked me how long ago I've done a gig because it's uh, it's been a long time. I I um you know I'm still <laughs> doing this and that, and uh, you know I actually recently I got an art show uh, in Florida that I'm working on putting together. Peyton? Uh, well, uh, photography and digital digi- digital art okay. combo, and so starting to get a little. Uh, you know, focus on that. But you always be doing music, right? Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I can never lose my first love of, of yeah. the art form of music. And though. Dirk, you, who are you playing? What's this band? Doris Mad. I can't stand the name of the band. He played last night. Yeah, at, last night at, at Pedro. What's the name of the band? It's called Seatbelt in the Pecking Order. Seatbelt in the Pecking Order. Yeah, it's a, it's a stupid. That's right. it's, well, actually, it's really fun. It's, I like it. But it's got some kind of uh, influence with uh, rockabilly. A lot of old country stuff and things country, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the classics and, uh, are great. Some, some George Jones and, and uh, plus our own songs too. Scott. And I actually, I'm up for an award in Nashville right now for one of my stupid songs, but uh, we'll see how that, that pans out. Right. And Scott. Uh, I don't know how stupid it was for you. Well, it's to not really Scott McLean's in the band, right? <laughs> yeah, Scott McLean and uh, our friend Jim. We call him the Kid. He's a, a Jim the Kid playing the stand-up bass and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty good. No, I mean, we here, here, here again, pe- yeah, people love music, whatever genre, and if you can get people together and have a good time, there's nothing wrong with that. What, it's what not, about it's the not third stupid. man? <clears throat> huh? What about the third man, John Rocknowski? Yeah, where is he? Let's call still him up. doing music? Let's, let's call him up right now. We'll, we'll get him on the phone. I know he loves guitar. The phone. He's Inter- great. Intercom. And I'll get a message from him every now and then. Hey, let's do a jam. He wants a jam. Yeah, he, he, with me too. I, I, the big problem right now is getting... What's the, the last dr- time you played with John Ryan? Getting that drum set. His his brother Jim, you know, he doesn't have a drum set, so we, it's kind of hard to jam. But, uh, you know, we're working on that. You know, we'll get, we'll get something maybe. When was going. the last time you jammed with him? Years. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But he's great guitarist. Probably the coffee house. Well, you know, I I don't know. The whole, the whole thing about music is something that I love intrinsically and I will always do. You know, John written, lives in Pedro still, right? If, if it's live or not, <laughs> I'm going to play music. Yeah, right, right. Well, well, we'll play some of your projects right here.
chunk with a couple Crane's trumpet pieces. Crane? Yeah. You want to talk about this? Oh, yeah. I played adults only, and so be it. Yeah. Those, uh... Now, this is post... This is up-to-date, kind of. Yeah, in the last few years. Um, I, uh... It was fun creating kind of this this dance piece, which adults only is, which is actually from another thing called Dick Edgemont Project that Dirk actually came up with that name. We were toying around with a, a kind of a cheesy nightclub lounge singer concept with the, the trumpet Persona. and jazz. Yeah, and, and, and it, it never, we never did a live gig with, with, with that, maybe someday. But uh, anyways, I took one of those songs um, and put it into more of a progressive, you know, rave dance feel. Versus the initial, you know, real traditional cheesy lounge kind of thing. Um, and then the other piece was more of a funk thing that I created with uh, with a... Actually, the, the solo is... It sounds like a trumpet, but it's... I'm using the, the theremin as a solo. Theremin. Yeah. Is that what it is? Um, you have one? <laughs> yeah. But uh, but you can use you can make you can make sounds and, and and solos out of that. So I took a trumpet sound and and went off with with that. And, and right. amazingly, it, it, it's pretty much in tune. <laughs> uh, then we heard uh, something live from the Minuteman at uh, the Gold Mine. Was that with a jam? Yeah, in oh, 1985, okay. I think. 
Um, that was a hot gig. That was one of the, my favorite. Redondo gigs. Beach. Yeah. Got by the police station. Uh, down by the King Harbor. On the way there. Yeah. Uh, home, something called the Hometown Jam. Yeah, you named it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're playing. Yeah, playing playing the horn there, and um, fun. That was a wonderful gig. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I think it was the end of the gig. Yeah. And then we heard uh, Salminio Rub and Dub by the Invisible Chains. Now, Invisible Chains, you were, became uh, associated with. That was post tragic comedy. Right, and that that was uh, Joey Eighthead with with Martin Tempervich. Holtzman. Yeah. Uh, came a New Alliance album with Carla Bozilich mm-hmm. and uh, Kevin Woods bass. And she she she's still playing today, right? That's right. She has a band called Evangelista. In fact, a brand new album from Carla. And she's uh, touring now. Cool. She's kept that music big she, time. She's married to uh, Klein, right? I mean, the uh, she is she still married? <laughs> no, they're not married. No, other okay, okay. They're friends. <laughs> yes, they're no, never married. Okay, well that works sometimes. In a legal sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she's been a lot of my projects too. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, that was, Joey's uh, sadly missed. Joey was actually a very creative cat. Oh yeah, very misunderstood beat- by a lot of people. I think. Yeah, very very much of a beatnet poet. Kept that alive in in that recording. And a guitarist. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, that that was a fun session that Ethan James like at right. uh, at Tokyo. Well, you and Martin. Yeah. Were asked to come on over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a kind of trippy way of putting songs together, kind of yeah. experimental. Very much so. I, I wasn't in, in, in that process as much as this being the. <laughs> The, the 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 side horns uh, at the end of the production the conduit uh, yeah the conduit <laughs> uh, and then uh, we heard Gabriel by Supersession now Supersession was a band put together by Raymond Pettibone yeah it had Dirk on drums right Dirk what's this song called Gabriel, Gabriel. yeah and it had I, Ray Farrell on bass and uh, yeah I wrote the music and and uh, um, and Petty Bone did the, uh, the lyrics. It was mostly his group. Right. And uh, guitar was... Uh, um. <laughs> Spacing on it right now. Yeah, yeah. Not Ricky. Ricky Sepulveda. Ricky Sepulveda. Right, yeah. That guy's great. He's oh, yeah. amazing. Uh, he's still in Pedro. I know. I saw, I, him. I saw him a couple weeks ago, too. Yeah. And I oh. mentioned, uh, Raymond, you know... Actually, Ray Farrell came to that 25th anniversary thing in New York City. That's where he lives. And I told him that Raymond's very interested in restarting Supersession. Wow. And uh, you guys did a bunch of gigs. What were you saying? That band could play anywhere. We got to everywhere we wanted to go. Any any place we wanted to go. He, he had a license to play anywhere. The, really the, Ro- the Roxy was, uh, was one of the highlight gigs with the smoke machine. And uh, <laughs> maybe we could play that one song of his, too. The uh, B I B L E. Well, we don't have that right now. Have that? No, but we. That was a live radio broadcast on Kick, so you remember. You don't remember hearing that, but you don't think in real time. Yeah, but well, that sounds great too. Well, I I, I do have 
you don't thank me enough. We'll, we'll play that at the end. That's really good. That's a, a fun, really nice. a fun song to play. Girl, <laughs> you don't thank me enough. <laughs> I like the little the Bachelor Three. That's pretty funny. Well, no, in future shows we'll we'll, we'll, that, we'll bring that up. It's almost like a skit. It's no, it's a total skit. Yeah. And it was kind of like riffing and vibing on Rat Pack kind of Dino and yeah, like, and hair products. <laughs> well, you don't know, Frank Sinatra. We'll, we'll, we'll get that queued up for a future show, big yeah, time. Okay. <laughs> That's a great album. There's a Super Session album. I have it, but I'm it's not, not the band. <laughs> no, it's a different band. It's Raymond. Different, yeah. Raymond's part of it, and you know he wrote all the words, and but it has other musicians. Well, it's okay. not the band that was doing gigs. Oh, all right. Well, so Super Session really has like le- two learn manifestations. Some, <laughs> learn something every day, as I said. But it would be great to revive <laughs> that band. I thought that was a great band. It was very. Raymond fun. right now is working on singing for the Los Pumpkinheads album. <laughs> I did bass with uh, the drummer John Wicks for thirteen songs. Money Mark's putting on the keyboards right now, all week. And Raymond's done singing for a bunch of the tunes, but he's going to finish up the rest. Oh, cool. And so, look forward to a Los Pumpkinheads album. Interesting uh, project. I have a lot of projects in the pipeline. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> just come out was Funland, which is the third Unknown Instructors album, which is Joe Biza, George Hurley, and myself cool. making music behind... Uh, well, Dan McGuire, a poet from Toledo, Ohio, put it together, and uh, Raymond Brewer? does. Uh, yeah, Jack Brewer's part of it. That's what I thought, yeah. uh, David Thomas is on it. I know. Yeah, it's great. It's it's a trippy album, but in the pipeline of stuff coming out, like in October, I will mix the Black Gang album. My Shubla uh, Nohi. It's about autumn, and uh, then I gotta go to New York. City to finish the third opera with the Missing Man called uh, Hyphenated Man. Maybe uh, well in the in the winter, early winter, I think. All right. Uh, two weeks ago in New York City, I made an album with Nels Klein, Yukonda, and Dougie Bound, and that's in the process of being mixed. Uh, this trip to Tokyo, I'll <clears throat> do a duo album with Jim O'Rourke. <coughs> Right now in Tokyo with Shimmy is mixing Brother, Sister, Daughter, my first album that we did uh, two days after my birthday last year, and then Spielgusher album, which is me and his wife, uh, Shuko, doing music behind 50 Richard Meltzer spoken words. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Plus, uh, I have a project in England called Cuz with a guy named Sam Duke great brother uh, all 13 songs have been uh, done he's putting on his parts and it's got to be mixed but that should see the light of day soon that was very interesting uh, it was time off with the uh, Stooges so I took in London so I took train down to Brighton and just giant bass with him on drums and then he took these samples and he made songs out of them oh yeah. So uh, the band he's in, the boss guy Ian, makes songs from uh, from other people's records. We thought like <coughs> the idea. Well, why don't we just sample ourselves? You, you must feel like those those 
plate twirler guys that <laughs> sometimes trying to keep all the plates. Exactly. Where do you find the energy to, to do that? <laughs> That's amazing. I, I to do recordings? Well, even like to show up Kids? at the urinal show last week and uh, stuff. Last night was my ninth gig in nine days. I know. And there You're were really four different you. bands. Yeah. Uh, five of the gigs were with guys I've never played with before. Uh, San Francisco young people. Oh. And... Uh, well, you know, you like music, you make it happen. <laughs> Just like the Econo thing, you might not have a lot of money, but you got some money, and so you try to make the most of it. So I don't have infinite energy, but the energy I have, I think you well, do. Try to put it. I, I think you 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 love music more than you like it. Uh, Just for the record. Oh yeah, Dose <laughs> album. We just finished uh, the Dose fourth Dose album, and it's being mixed right now. Wow. And that okay. should be out in December. All right. Uh, so. Did I mention all the... Oh, in Italy. No, end of November, I go to Italy for four or five gigs and make an album. A guy named... Uh, Stefano Palio. Great cat. and uh, Which means a lot to me because my mom's people is from Italy. So to yeah. make an Italian album. Cool. Just like with Sam, to make an England album. I've been there so many times, I've never made an England album. Hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, there's something... Me and Steve McKay, we had some... The sax man for the Stooges, we had a day off in Dublin, the day before Bloomsday. And uh, this band there called Estelle had us come in the studio, a studio in a horse stable. And we did a, albums worth of stuff that they're mixing right now. So, All right. I, I tell you, I got out of balance for maybe 10 years of doing too many gigs compared to recordings. Yeah. And it's important to do gigs, of course, but they, they're kind of gone when you're gone. Right. The work stay. Like like the Homage to Nada, Tragic Comedy album, you know? That's a work, right. you know? Something, you know, like a child, in a way. Right, right. Has a life of its own. Even if you're gone, that work will be there, you know? So I've been trying to put a lot of energy in the last 15, 16 months, especially starting with that Black Gang album. Dallas Klein and Bob Lee I was like man I gotta start doing more recordings I need stuff yeah uh, think of D Boone you know right good thing oh, yeah. I remember us making records and just thinking of them as like flyers to, to get people the gig we thought the gig was everything right. and it is very right. important for sure. people but then uh, or, or then we were thinking they were kind of like diary entries a little bit uh but now I look back on them, they have lives of their own. Yep. You know, and they're there after you. And people, just like when we get records, Dirk, you're a big record collector. There's always people that, that, that come back with saying, like, you know, I love this record or whatever. And that's what they focus on. Yeah. You know. Right. It, 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 it You've got I, records from people that you never saw do a gig. It truly is a life yeah. of its own. Yeah. Right. So I, that's why I've been getting into this recording. And, yeah, you try to muster the energy for it. Well, yeah, that's one of the things that I, I've done over the the last years. Even though I can't even remember my last gig when you're we were talking off the air a, a bit ago, um, it's you know it's 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 almost like this whole another era kind of thing. But I I, I have a passion for recording and writing songs, so I still do that. And uh, so you know, the, keeping the music alive. Don't you sort of lose focus sometimes when you're dealing with so many people like that, or what? What, what do you mean? Well, I don't know. It's, it seems like you know you're you're playing with so many people. How do you? Um, 
do you ever like figure like this is something that's really important to me this is more important than the other one or something no like no they're all I believe everybody's got something to teach me so you try to put yourself in situations where you're well, you're, perpetually you're, trying you're, to you're, learn you're, you're never watering down your energy uh, you're, bring it all there to everything right, you got so, at yeah. the moment to that yeah so that's not, a, way, that's not an issue one yeah. thing is kind of an investment in the other one that's maybe getting you a little ready for the next thing and what you do if, maybe it's politics of base because of the way the machine works in music it's not a very big range but a very fundamental range right small range in the low end and you kind of look good making other people look good right the so support, you have to, you the, have to, you have to the support structure right you have to get in there and see what they're doing and, and help it along right. it's not like they're backing you up so much right bass is kind of a backup instrument yeah so what you do right. is you, you you try to see what they're doing and tap into that, learn from them, and aid them back. Right. These motorcycle guys are doing with our conversation. They're pretty loud right now. <laughs> what do we call those? Dick extenders? <laughs> they're, no, they're, we don't call them they're, that. They're definitely Sunday drivers. Which Remember, they beat us up one time, so <laughs> we don't talk about them like that anymore. I don't think those kind of guys. Well, it is <laughs> Sunday, and they're driving, they're, they're sightseeing. Those in ones f- look in fact, Dirk and, and, and Charlie wrote a song called Sunday Driver <laughs> yeah. years ago. That was pretty fun. And what was that about? Well, it was just... This <laughs> was, uh, it was part of the, the time period where, where gasoline was being rationed, so it was this whole idea that, you know, you know, don't don't tread on me with, with me wanting to be a Sunday driver, right? Oh, <laughs> I yeah, guess yeah, Dirk, yeah. Dirk would know more about the song than I would, but... <laughs> That was a that was a, a fun one. <laughs> and uh, this uh, seat belt and the packet order, you got plans? We're gonna record it over at that place we went to last week or, or a couple weeks ago. Me and you. Yeah. We're gonna record there because I like that's that the guy. old Peck Manor. The, that guy's cool. The Kevin, old Peck House on Fifteenth really? Street. Kevin's, Kevin. Kevin's a really guy, nice guy, and I, I like the Kevin idea. Kevin Carl, great cat. Of, of uh, recording with uh, tape and stuff, so we're going to go over there and record. It'll be you, like your first album? Second record. Well, actually, our, we did an EP and then. Oh, you've got an album already? We have, yeah. Well, let's play some. Uh, okay, <laughs> if you want to, but I'd rather hear something else. Yeah, but maybe people want to know what you're doing now. So we'll play we got all kinds of fun stuff right here to play. Let's play something fun. You should play some pecking order in the seatbelt. Fun. Can I suggest maybe playing something from the Rub record? It's really good. Rub. You know Eddie Mooney and uh, um, what's his name? I can't. (laughs) But it's 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 Uh, it's really good. Both uh, Dirk and I played horns on that record. Yeah. Um, So it's another extension of the whole. Yeah, yeah, there we. <laughs> okay, we'll play one of those songs in uh, the Raymond song. Yeah, for sure. And I got a bunch of stuff over here too. If you want but no pecking You want to hide them? Okay. Yeah. 
Bot for Pedro show. That was the rub with Day After Carmen. It has uh, Dirk and Crane playing together. Horns. Yep. Uh, what horns did you play? Trumpet. Okay. <laughs> and you were on trumpet. Yeah. So it was a bad uh, a duet I, of trumpet. I think so. <laughs> we have to hear it again. Uh, we ran out. Of, we're out of time. And we didn't get to play the Raymond thing, but I'll play it on a future show because that's a great track. What's that, the superstition stuff? You don't thank me enough. Yeah, superstition. He he played Gabriel, though. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you guys much for being on the show. Well, thank you, Uh, Mike. It's been quite an honor. I've shared a lot of music history and San Pedro friend history. And uh, it's been a pleasure and a privilege to have you on board Watch from Pedro show. Let people... Thanks for having us. Know about your music journeys. And... uh, music journeys I've shared with you and uh, I know you're going to keep at it it's, it's a fun manifestation fun thing uh, good luck Dirk with the seatbelt and pecking order yeah whatever and uh, thank you sir praying your endeavors too and uh, maybe we revive Fofum or something yeah there you go well we're missing a couple of people but we'll figure it out yeah it's hard losing people that's the hardest lesson I've ever learned uh, August 23rd, 2009, Watt from Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>